0: size podcast I'm Luke Worsham joined by the other two hosts of the Titan size podcast Matisse Wadner and Will Lomas public service announcement before we start uh, just uh, the Titans pl- game on on Sunday against the Ravens starts at 325 and I say that because I was very close to showing up at that stadium at 10 a.m. <laughs> on Sunday alone so just public service announcement if you're going to the game if you're making plans it's an afternoon game 325. Now that we've got that out of the way, uh, opening thoughts, guys. Titans, Ravens, this week. Uh, what what are you looking forward to the most?
1: Uh, just seeing if the Titans can can bounce back from a really from a really bad loss last week. Uh, I just really want to see them come out and control the game and the W. Uh, personally, I think this is going to be one of those really low scoring. Kind of terrible defensive games that are kind of tough to watch. Uh, <laughs> pretty much the 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 first two games we won this year against Houston and the Jaguars. I think it's going to be in that mold, uh, just because the both teams have a really good defense. So, but yeah, but what I'm looking forward to is just coming out with a victory because I think going into that London game next week, uh, which could be really tricky, especially since the Chargers are, are pretty are a pretty good team. I think getting a win. Uh, would would be pretty substantial uh, with the bye week looming in in week eight.
2: Yeah, uh, um, for me, it's just kind of how the crowd responds to okay, you know, can you rally and get together against an Eagles team that you know the Titans were coming off a two and stretch. Everybody was getting healthy. You were facing the champions are they going to have the same kind of enthusiasm when they play against Baltimore after losing to the bills the week before? Like we generally have a pretty good crowd for Baltimore games just because there's a lot of like deep seated hatred that goes back for a long time. But this, this is kind of a unique situation because you kind of got the highest high followed by the lowest low. And I just, I'm not sure that you're going to have the same sort of kind of pop in the crowd that you did versus the Eagles
0: so uh yeah yeah go ahead were you gonna say no I was just
1: gonna say I was just gonna say he's probably right yeah my contribution (laughs)
0: let's start as we always do uh with the injury report we'll start with the Ravens um looks like they're pretty healthy generally uh Terrell Suggs returned to practice on Thursday as did Eric Weddle um Never heard of a lot of these guys. John Brown returned to practice on Thursday. Brendan Carr, Anthony Levine. The only players who did not practice on Thursday are cornerback Tavon Young, linebacker Tim Williams. Don't know who that is. Running back Delance Turner, uh, defensive tackle Michael Pierce, and cornerback Anthony Averett. Clearly, I don't know the a- Ravens' r- roster very well outside of the big names and the starters. Um, the Ravens are going to be fully healthy going into huh. this game.
1: Did you say those guys didn't practice?
0: The last guys I mentioned missed practice.
1: The, I th- a couple of those guys that we should probably pay attention to are Michael Pierce and Tim Williams. Actually, Tim, uh, they're Tim, both- Will-
0: look, correction, Tim Williams was limited.
1: Okay, all right. So he's probably going to play. But regardless, there are two guys to keep an eye on because they're not full-time starters. They're rotation guys. Uh, but Tim Williams has had actually a pretty good season uh, rushing the passer. And, and he's pretty much just a one-trick pony uh, in terms of that. He's really just a pass rusher uh, that they bring in to, to sub uh, on certain downs, Ralph Suggs uh, or Tyus Bowser or some of their other guys. Uh, Zedarius Smith, I think, is their other edge. And Michael Pierce is, is like, strictly a nose tackle who is pretty damn good at his job um he he is actually the ravens top uh top graded defensive player um and and he's just a guy that could really plug holes um and and do some things and he can also rush the passer a little bit uh if if you do throw on the first two down so so those two are definitely guys that you want to keep an eye on
2: yeah uh, tim williams is uh, a guy that i really liked two drafts ago not this one but the last one Mm -hmm. i think um he and Hercules Mata'afa are the guys who I had as like first-round guys who just the league did not see it that way. And Tim Williams is kind of finally showing it. He was kind of buried on the depth chart last year, but I mean, he's a really good pass rusher. And in this league, really, I mean, that's the most valuable skill set a defensive player can have. So, I mean, he doesn't super concern me, and it helps the Titans that he's slowed, but... He's maybe the guy I'm most afraid of on passing downs, including Suggs, even though I think Suggs has more sacks this year. So he, he's somebody I'd really watch.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Moving on to the Titans injury report. Uh, pretty good, I would say. Taylor Lewan was full on Thursday, so he will play. That's what Variable said. Um Wesley Woodyard, limited, looks like he's probably going to play. Same for uh, Dennis Kelly, who was full for the second day in a row. Now, a couple of surprises. Kamale Correa went from full, or he was added to the injury report on Thursday, was limited with a, a foot injury. Benny Logan did not practice on Thursday, his first day on the injury report, with an elbow injury. Also not practicing at all, linebacker Robert Spillane, linebacker will compton and of course kenny vicaro uh initial thoughts on that guys uh i would say probably you're going to have correa the benny logan thing is a little startling uh but it's going to be good to get woodyard and uh and the back though
1: i think woodyard and luon are really the only ones that matter uh correa since the first two weeks is kind of yeah it's been kind of bad he hasn't he has not panned out. Well, that, I mean, um, he, he's I, part of the reason uh,
0: that Josh Allen scored on that bootleg.
1: Yeah, yeah, just terrible defensive job. But I mean, he hasn't really been getting pressures either, like he did the first two weeks. So I, I don't know. I, don't, I don't think it really matters. Uh, Benny Logan is, it's fine, but like he, he's just not really all that valuable. He's, he's just like a nose tackle that that can eat up a, a couple of bodies on on the offensive line. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, w- w- which might be valuable in a game like this because the Ravens do like to run the ball a lot. Um, but they've been given a lot of carries to Buck Allen, who doesn't make anything happen on the ground regardless. So I don't think that's too big of a loss. And even though PFF loves Will Compton, uh, it, 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 I mean, they it, do? It, it's Will Compton. Yeah, the PFF loves Will Compton. It, it's shocking. He's, he's it's third, actually not shocking. Third, not, not shocking because yes. they love Avery <laughs> Williamson too, and they're the same player.
2: They are Uh,
1: anyway, um, I'm not too worried about the injuries. I think uh, Luan uh, likely playing is huge and we really need Wesley Woodyard back because Rashawn Evans just isn't good right now. Um, Jalen Brown has been good, uh, but he's he's missed six tackles already this year, uh, which kind of needs to get cleaned up. Uh, He's just really a smaller guy who struggles a little bit when it comes to those bigger running backs. And the Ravens do have two bigger running backs than Alex Collins and Buck Allen. So I think again, Wesley Wood your back is going to be pretty important especially in a game that can be close and in a game where the Ravens will probably run the ball a good amount.
2: So kind of reading the tea leaves and projecting forward, I think Compton and Spillane both missed this game which makes me really nervous at linebacker well, because I, it's not like we're great there. Well, it's not like we're great there anyway, but we only have three bodies to play. Darren Bates. So I, I, guess, I guess Rashawn, Bates, uh, Woodyard, and, and uh, Brandon. But, but if Wesley Woodyard goes down and Rashawn Evans and uh, Bates, I think, have both kind of rotated in that spot, I don't know. I don't know. I like having options. I don't like if a guy's playing bad, you have to just leave him out there. And neither does Vrabel. That's why Evans got benched halfway through the game uh, last week. So that that concerns me. I, I'm not
1: Bates is terrible, not, by the way. Yeah, at linebacker.
2: But uh, hey, guys, that's, uh, that's
0: not that's, his real position. Okay.
1: Yeah, I know. We're still He's trying a, to figure
0: out what it is.
2: Yeah, I mean, we can talk about this, but. It's 100% he should be a hybrid line, off-the-ball linebacker and edge. But he's right. Like, And John Robinson was right to draft him to fill that position where he's kind of a hybrid player, and Brable was right to put him there. The only difference is, is he shouldn't have told anybody that because that's the only position he's been playing as off-the-ball linebacker. Like, The methodology behind that is 100% correct. That's exactly what he is, and it's good that the Titans knew that when they drafted him. Um, so I've got no problem with that. Uh, The other thing that stands out to me is Dennis Kelly, Jack Conklin, and Taylor One all playing for the first time this season, which was a look that we saw a lot last year and the year before, that three-tackle jumbo tight end set, and if you're going to tell me that we've got to play a tight end, right now I'm not sure that Dennis Kelly wouldn't be my favorite, just because I'm not sure that Jonu Smith or Luke Stocker, either one of them... Is really like that much better at what they do, so why not just go ahead and load the box up and then have a trick play where you line up Lawan and just let him get an eight-yard touchdown catch again, like he did against Indianapolis? But I, I don't know.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So I mean, you you hate to not have Vaccaro, but just generally yeah. speaking, the Titans are in a good injury situation.
1: Yeah, it, it's not too bad. Uh, I, I do think we felt we didn't. Well, we didn't really feel the Vaccaro injury last week. Uh, may, maybe in terms of tackling, because Chris Ivory and McCoy had decent games, um, and Kendrick Lewis really really didn't do much. He did miss a tackle, uh, but I think there's a game where where if Beyer's just going to have to play center field, uh, just because John Brown is such a threat through the air, and Kendrick Lewis just he's he's not a free safety of player and I don't I don't think you can really trust him in, in, in that sort of position um, so yeah but but other than that I, I, I really do think that the injuries are fine uh, they're not nearly as bad as they were for the first couple weeks of the season um, and hopefully Luan can make it through this game so we could finally have a healthy offensive line for the duration of the game which we really only had I think once in the in the Eagles game and, and even then, uh, we did Kelly
0: wasn't available.
1: Yeah, I was going to say we didn't even have Kelly right. um, to to maybe come in for maybe a jumbo set or two. So uh, hopefully the offensive line is perfectly fine for the whole game, and I think it will be. So that's important.
2: Uh, one more thing. I think Benny Logan has been the Titans' second-best defensive lineman behind Casey. Like mm-hmm. I know Jones had a big game last week, but just over the course of the season, I think Logan has been – Probably their best run defender, including Casey. If you just talk about holding your gap and not not necessarily penetrating and making tackles for loss, but uh, he, I, I like him. I mean, I don't I don't mind kind of wasting a roster spot on somebody who can plug gaps and really dominate smaller centers. But that that may just be a personal preference of mine. But I think he's played really well.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's hop into uh, previewing, I guess the uh, the Ravens team. I want to start with their offensive weapons, just all of them in general. Alex Collins, the receivers, and uh, and the tight ends. Uh, Dean Pease made the comment today that that Joe Flacco has been so successful this year because he has improved weapons and he's been able to spread the ball around a lot more. And I think that's absolutely true. And while this isn't you know any sort of juggernaut offense, these are some weapons that could potentially be dangerous for the Titans.
1: They have weapons at pretty much every offensive position, uh, and their O-line is pretty good. So Flacco has gotten a good amount of time, and he can find these guys, um, and, and most of them get open. I mean, John Brown's been getting open all season. It's uh, On intermediate routes and deep routes, it doesn't even matter. Uh, he always seems to be open, but Flacco hasn't hasn't had great chemistry with him, uh, although he, he's had some pretty big games. <laughs> Michael Crabtree just He doesn't really scare me at this point. Uh, He drops way too many passes. It's actually it's kind of absurd. I think he has he has eight drops, um, this year, which is just an absurd number on forty six targets. So and he really he's just not the explosive guy that is going to worry you uh, all that much. Uh, Where they do have some guys that can that can give you some trouble is at tight end. They have like. Ten million tight ends, yeah. and all of them are really well, good. Well, that's true. I want to uh, see if Max-
0: I can. I, the only ones I can name are like uh, Max Williams and Hayden Hurst.
1: Yeah. So, well, Hurst is the guy they drafted this year. They also drafted Mark Andrews, who hot take here is better than Hayden Hurst.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> he was better than Hurst in college. It was it, it was weird, but um, he was I, Baker May- oh. one of Baker Mayfield's top uh, top targets. Um, and he's just a really good two way player can block very well, can catch very well. Max Williams has had a little bit of a breakout season this year. Uh, the numbers haven't been great, but whenever he catches the ball, he's actually making plays. Um, the good news is the Times have been really good at defending tight ends um, you know, through the past. They've also been re- pretty good at defending uh, running backs through the through the through the, through the air, which um, never and, and
0: happened with LeBeau here. I know that was my one issue with him. Is really yeah. his whole time here it was that swing routes points. were guaranteed fifteen yards.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's why I'm not really worried about Buck Allen. He really does most of his damage through the air, uh, but he really doesn't. Uh, like a lot of his targets <laughs> just go for. For like five yards or whatever. They're just like really annoying targets. Uh, I'm more concerned about Alex Collins if if we're uh, maybe on like screen passes. Because we've been really bad at tackling. And Alex Collins is one of the best tackle breakers in the entire NFL. The good news is uh, John Harbaugh hates him because he keeps fumbling the ball every game. So I think we're going to see a real 50-50 split in this game. uh, Which is good in my opinion. Because I think Alex Collins is way more talented than Buck Allen so they have a lot of like good weapons, but they're really not like these explosive players that that are gonna put up 30 points on you, uh, especially on a defense like the Titans, who's been very good this year.
0: Do you remember when we were when the Buccaneers were here during training camp, and I mentioned on the show that maybe like the uh, John Robinson could talk to his old buddy Jason Light and get them to leave Deshaun Jackson behind when they went back? Jack. Maybe they can get the Ravens to leave one of, just one of their tight ends, no matter which one.
2: I mean, Yeah. Take your pick. We'll give you a fifth round for any of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you were talking about Alex Collins. I looked it up real quick. He has more yards after catch than any receiver on the Ravens except for Willie Sneed, hmm. uh, and Alex Collins only has nine catches. So that kind of tells you just how much he does after the catch when he only gets nine catches and he's averaging eight yards after contact per catch. Like, that's – I mean, that's so hard to believe. It's so – I mean, you're right. You have to watch out for him. The good news is, like we talked about, Jayon Brown has been – the most electrifying player that the Titans have had on the field consistently. I mean, you could argue Harold Landry has had a bigger play and that Jarrell Casey's made more well, plays. Well, you need to be giving Johnny Smith
0: more credit. When somebody's okay. going
2: full speed, I have more <laughs> confidence. Do
0: what? I said you need to be giving Johnny Smith more credit as being one of the most explosive oh, yeah. players. yeah.
2: yeah. Sorry. electrifying yeah. yeah sorry electrifying on defense i guess nobody's as electrifying as johnny smith on offense <laughs> 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 this is this is not the time for this anyway uh, a brown is he was my guy before the season i said that i thought the best linebacker duo would be woodyard and john brown and then i thought Rashawn evans should come in and rotate for woodyard if he was going to come in because i think stylistically that's what you want on the field and that's exactly right so the good news is with all the tight ends, the extra tight end sets and the running back passes, you would imagine that John Brown plays more than anybody else. Uh, I mean, there's just no reason to take him off the field, which is great because he's been primarily a sub package guy for most of his career with the Titans. And I mean, he's gotten more snaps more and more. I mean, the past five weeks, I guess, but I mean, he's a guy who, I don't know, 85, 90% of the snaps you've got to have in no matter what the down and distance is, which for a fifth round pick is really good. So, I'm for all the matchup issues, and we can talk about how, you know, you really want to have a Dory Jackson on John Brown, and you want, you know, Logan Ryan to take Crabtree, and uh, Malcolm Butler can take on Willie Sneed, and that's how you can roll that. I don't know. I
0: might rather have Ryan on Sneed and Butler on Crabtree.
2: Yeah, maybe, but, like, yeah, I I guess that makes sense. I don't know. I just— I really want and maybe it's just in my head or whatever, but Crabtree's been targeted more than any other receiver they have. So mm-hmm. if the passes are going to be towards a cornerback, I would rather it be towards Logan Ryan than uh, Malcolm Butler. Does that make sense? Like yeah. if if stick my cuz Adoree Jackson has to take John Brown, like I would rather have Adoree Jackson on uh Crabtree just because I think that's your biggest chance for a big play because Adore Jackson has two interceptions and is off to a really good start, even though we don't talk about it enough. But if he's got to take the speed guy, which he does, then your next best corner is Logan Ryan. So put him on the guy that gets the most volume, even if he's dropping passes, and and even especially if he's dropping passes because maybe Logan Ryan can make a play on a ball where uh, Malcolm Butler just kind of needs the easiest assignment for the next couple weeks just to get his mojo back.
0: And you know who hasn't really done much yet this year? Kevin Byard. Yeah. Yeah, like – And, and, you know, he doesn't have to have interceptions, but, like, when was the last time he had a pass breakup or made a nice tackle in the run game or something like that?
2: Well, I mean, they had him back uh, against – it was the Bills, I guess, and uh, LaShawn McCoy was, like, about to break a touchdown. He was the only guy back, and he made the tackle in open field that really saved seven points and kept it, you know, a close game. But, I mean, you're right. He's not making – impact and I just don't know if it's because Dean Pease doesn't really know how he wants to use him yet or if it's because like he's just you know not that he got lucky but he was just in the right place at the right time a few times or I don't know he's always been a streaky player so maybe against Baltimore which he dominated last year this is yeah no shine but you're right. Let's
1: talk a little. I was gonna say maybe go he ahead. can maybe he can get back on track just because he's picked picked off Flacco twice last year. Although I think one of them was I think Logan Ryan tipped it up, so that was a really good play by him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I want I want to see Bayer get back on the get off the Schneid. You know, he only has one pass deflection on the year, which is which is a little bit more concerning than than anything else. He had sixteen all last season, and he only has one through through five games. So I mean, yeah, hopefully he can make a play in this one.
0: I want to talk a little bit about Joe Flacco, but first let's go to what I think is probably the best unit on this Ravens team, and that's their front seven. Just just loaded with talent. I mean, C.J. Mosley, Terrell Suggs, Brandon Williams. And I know there's guys that I'm just missing because they're slipping my mind at the moment, but a lot of talent up there, a lot of speed up there, especially with Mosley.
1: Yeah, getting I think Mosley missed maybe the first two weeks of the season or something, and they they really suffered on defense a little bit. Actually, no, they played the Bills the first week, so it doesn't even matter. But um, they're just so much better when Mosley's back there, uh, just because he's such a good run defender and he has a pretty good feel for uh, for pass defense. Um, They are, I mean, they might be the best front seven in the entire league. Uh, they're just so good I, I don't, I don't have like specific numbers, but they don't give up like any production on the ground. It's actually unbelievable. Uh, they're so hard to run on. Um, and I just, the, the, I mean, the Titans have really struggled, uh, running the ball as is. So this is really going to be tough for us. Uh, yeah. Baltimore's giving up 442 yards on the ground, just 3.9 yards per attempt. Um, those 442 yards are seventh best in the league. So this is a really tough matchup and considering that the Titans haven't been able to do anything on the ground and their run blocking has been kind of mediocre, if not bad. Uh, this is not the best matchup, not the best get right spot. Um, thankfully we've been really good in pass blocking. So I don't think we're going to have, I don't think Mario is going to be under that much pressure. Um, just because the offensive line has been really good in terms of limiting limiting um, pressure and limiting quarterback hits.
2: Yeah, I think you kind of said it best when you were talking about how hard it is to run the ball. I, Matt LaFleur had a terrible game plan last week. It, it, I, I think I've talked about that enough. But what's good is when he knew that they weren't going to be able to run the ball against the Eagles, he changed the style of offense they were going to play to, More Mariota runs, more deep passes, more chunk plays, and, you know, it worked. I mean, it worked on paper, and it worked in theory. Like, they should have had three more catches for 50 or more yards, but there was a pass and a DPI, and one was just a little bit off the hands. Um, I mean, that was 150 yards that, for those three reasons, didn't get accounted for. So, I mean... Maybe now that he knows he's going to have to stretch the field, even though it's a talented secondary, like maybe he knows that you know he's going to have to take some chunk plays and it's not going to be a game where you just pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball like they did in Buffalo. Um, although I guess they did a lot of short game. Anyway, the, the point is that I think they're going to try to stretch the field more, which is better for Mariota, the offensive lineman, and it's really better for the running backs because it's not as obvious that you're just going to run downhill when the Titans really don't have a downhill running type of guy. Like both of the guys are better when they can get some like a head of steam. Derek Henry is better when he can get four yards. Deion Lewis is better when he has enough space to spin and cut and juke. So th- this kind of plays really into what I think the Titans should be, even though it's not what they really want to be. They want to be more balanced, but it looks like it'll be a little bit run heavier. Um, mm. We haven't talked about it at all, but one of the concerns I have with that is the rain. Um, somebody posted, I mean, it's supposed to rain this weekend, but somebody posted something over the weekend that said that rain doesn't slow offensive production anymore. But with the trouble we've had with drops, it just makes me really nervous to imagine our receivers with a wide-open 50-yard pass and it just falling through their hands.
0: Oh, You're right. I'm looking at the forecast. It is supposed to rain on Sunday, so... Yeah. And I don't want to say – I
2: almost asked you guys
0: what effect you think it could have, and then I realized that we were literally about to spend five minutes talking about the weather. And That's right. Let, let, let's talk about uh, Joe Flacco now. So when, when the Ravens were really good like four or five years ago, he was a very steady franchise quarterback. Last two or three seasons, he's really struggled, not good at all. But this year, he looks like the version of himself that we saw several years ago. And it's good to see him playing well again. So I'll ask uh, what's fair to expect from him on Sunday? And, uh, you know, kind of as the Ravens go, he goes. Or really the opposite way around. As he goes, the Ravens go.
1: Yeah. When he's bad, he's really bad. And, and it's, it, it's it kind it of been, catapults. You
0: know, like a Blake Bortles thing where it's weak and, you know, Weekend, he he was just kind of in a slump for a couple of years.
1: It's yeah, it's it's year to year. <laughs> and you're right. When it comes to the Bortles, is any week you could just get just <laughs> the, the worst. worst quarterback in the league or a decent quarterback who has a good game. But um, yeah, Flacco's I don't know. He's a bit of, a bit of an enigma. Last year I thought he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, and then this year he just looks really comfortable in their offense. Uh, And he's surrounded, like we've talked about, by a lot of good weapons. Uh, I think bringing in John Brown and Michael Crabtree has been really beneficial for him. Even though Crabtree drops a lot of passes, uh, he's just kind of a big target that you you can't really rely on him. But he's a guy you can target uh, pretty heavily. um, And every now and then he's going to move the chains for you. And then John Brown is just uh, hes a game wrecker. He's so fast. Um, And Flacco has looked really good throwing the deep ball this year, particularly to John Brown. Um, and then you, you put in Willie sneak, Willie Snead in the slot who just catches pretty much everything. Uh, he's just really surrounded by a lot of good weapons, uh, that kind of fit his, his style. Uh, and, and the offensive line has been pretty good. So we, but we want him to throw a lot in this game. Uh, let's, let's not, uh, let's not get it twisted. Uh, and there are two losses this year. I know that this is like, a, a moot stat most times, but he's thrown fifty five passes. That was in week two against Cincinnati. And then last week against Cleveland, he threw fifty six times. Um I, I don't oh, know what their Luck game plan <laughs> yeah, It I a I don't know what their game plan was last week. And I think it's a big big reason why they lost. I mean they were averaging point six yards per attempt uh and they only ran the ball twenty five times and they threw the ball uh fifty seven times so um More of that, please. I I would love that. They only scored nine points. They couldn't get anything going. Uh, Flacco only averaged 5.3 yards uh, per attempt. So if we can get Flacco into the 45 to 50 range in terms of passes, uh, I feel very confident that we will have a good game. Um, And if he does throw that many passes, I'm expecting a couple interceptions because he's been prone to them in the past. He only has three this year. Uh, But the Titans have a lot of guys who can make plays on the ball. We've seen Malcolm Butler do it. We've seen Adoree Jackson do it, and we've seen Kevin Byer do it in the past. So I think this could be a breakout game for the Titans secondary if Flacco does near that that 50 attempt mark.
2: Yeah, something they've done a really good job at uh, to make Flacco comfortable and to help that offensive line is uh, they've really spread the ball around. There's four players on the team who have 19 or more receptions, Um, which is a really solid number. Nobody has more than 24. So it's like a really solid, like there's nobody a number one corner can really take away. It's more what's open. Is it time to, you know, they'll settle for a four yard pass to the tight end. If he's the guy that's open, because they want to get out of his hands quick because they know when he has to think he makes bad decisions. So (sighs) the real key to this is finding ways to make uh, Flacco uncomfortable and make him make stupid plays because even though they've had a really good season, it's not like there anyone in particular is tearing it up. Like, John Brown's great and he's a really good, you know, deep ball receiver, but it's not like he's having like 120 yard games every week. Like I Mm -hmm. think he's only led them in receiving one time so far. So I, I really don't know why he's so comfortable and why teams aren't, you know, taking the short completions away and forcing him to throw it deep when it's not there. But I think and I say this, I thought he was going to have a good plan versus Buffalo, and I guess he did. But um, thinking back, I mean, even if you lost, Dean Pease did have a good plan. But I think Dean Pease spending so much time with Flacco and seeing him in practice every day, and I'm sure he's heard offensive coordinators you know, complain and talk about how he can't do this, or this is what he really struggles with. Or if he was doing a practice script, he's like, this is what always gets him. That kind of familiarity should help the Titans more than it should hurt them. uh, Because scheme is great, but scheme with different players is harder to necessarily know what to pick on. If you're Joe Flacco, whereas Joe Flacco sitting in the pocket is kind of the same guy all the time. So I guess that's a long way of saying they've really got to figure out a way to pressure him and force him into doing things that he's uncomfortable doing. And Dean P should know exactly what that is. So that that's kind of got to be the game plan is a lot of blitzes, a lot of pressure situations. But to do that, you've really got to stop them from running the ball and getting into third and three where they can do a couple of different things. And that, that was the difference in the Eagles game and the Buffalo game is that they kept getting in third and threes and shorter down in distances, and that's kind of how they move the ball, especially to win the game. So, you know, you really hope they step up in that kind of situational football. But, I mean, we'll see. If anybody knows how to do it, it should be Dean Pease.
0: Um, so let's move into talking about important matchups in this game. I've written down a couple, and the first one I want to talk about is The Titans wide receivers versus the Ravens uh, defensive backs because this is a game based on just how good Baltimore's run defense is and just how bad Derrick Henry is. You're not going to be able to run the ball to beat this team, similar to a lot of teams the Titans have played this year. I think you got to go after the Ravens very similarly to how they went after the Eagles. You got to put the ball in the air and you got to hope that your weapons, Corey Davis, Taywan Taylor, Tajay Sharp, can win one-on-one with these cornerbacks. Now, Baltimore, I believe, has a better secondary than Philadelphia. (laughs) Marlon Humphrey. um, uh, Jimmy Smith is back from suspension. Eric Weddle is back there. But I feel like their their cornerbacks and their safeties are more like smart, physical players. You can beat them with speed. And so – that's why I think Corey Davis should be used downfield. I think you got to get the ball to Taiwan Taylor on, on crossers and things like that. I think that's how you attack the Ravens if you the Titans.
1: I, uh, <laughs> I'm i a little concerned uh, because I, I, maybe the Ravens' secondary is the, the weaker part of their defense, but I'm not sure that it is because they have Jimmy Smith back. One of the better cornerbacks in the league, I think. Um, at least he sh- he showed last season. Hot take. Uh, yeah, I think I think he's very good. No, Butler
2: or Jimmy Smith's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's very good. Uh, Brandon Carr has had a pretty good season. He's been better in presence for quite a while. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, I don't love, but he's improved a good amount since his rookie year. Uh, and then they have three safeties who are really good. Uh, Anthony Levine's the lesser guy, who's kind of a rotation guy. Tony Jefferson is one of my favorite players in the league, and we all know how good Eric Weddle is. So, considering how our receivers have played to this point in the season, I have no idea how we're going to be able to throw the ball in this game. Um, we're going to need Corey Davis to win his his one-on-one matchups with. I'm assuming Smith. I'm assuming he's going to shadow him. I'm not sure if the Ravens shadow or not. Uh, and and I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know if taylon's going to be able to uh, to get downfield or if we're even going to try to get him downfield. Um, they're just a really stout defensive unit, um, and they really they really just don't give up that many big plays. So I'm concerned about how we're going to be able to move the ball. Um, but I think I think the best way to attack their defense is probably with Dion Lewis through the air. Uh, I I know I feel like we say that every week. Um, But it really does feel like the best way to be able to, to get some chunk plays. Um, Duke Johnson actually had a pretty good game last week on the ground, uh, and he's in in a similar mold to Deion Lewis. He had five carries for 35 yards. So maybe Deion Lewis could be uh, sort of the X factor in this game, get him isolated um, on some of the linebackers.
2: Um, so, you know, you had I, – I don't think it's that hot of a take, but Luke said it was a hot take that you thought that Jimmy Smith was really good. Um, I have a different hot take. I don't think Eric Weddle's good anymore. Like, he got on the Thursday night game versus Cincinnati, he looked slow over and over. And that was their worst game. But, I mean, Cincinnati just – they didn't go at him. But, like, they weren't afraid to run, like, deep routes towards him because they knew he couldn't close in time. And they were right. He he couldn't. So, that's somebody I – i i would hate to target him because he is a savvy vet and he he can you know make plays when you don't want him to and you really don't want to kind of have him be the guy that beats you with him being such a big name but i mean on film he's a guy i would definitely go after especially with taewon taylor if you can get him deep matched up with that kind of safety help over the top and let him like break underneath or break inside of him and really kind of get route leverage so and may, Maybe that's just me. Maybe I've just caught him at bad times and I'm watching him, but he sure doesn't look like the same player he did last year or two years ago. Um, I, I think you're right, though. Like I think running backs, and it, it, you didn't really say this, but tight ends should be a big factor in the game. I think the Ravens have allowed 13 catches to tight ends over the past two weeks. Um, that, that may be – I may be wrong about that, but for some reason I have that stat in my head, um, and – I don't think Johnny Smith's going to have a big game, but I think they're going to target him early to see what he's going to do. And if he drops one pass, I think they're going to go and put Ferkser or Pruitt in there. And then they're going to try to run that offense, not through them, but with them as the second or third option on a lot of plays. Because I think, you know, outside of CJ Mosley, I think you can beat those linebackers in coverage pretty easily. So, you know, if you put Deion Lewis in the backfield and CJ Mosley's covering him, your tight end has to be your, you know, easy go-to dump off. And then if Mosley's covering the tight end, you think that Deion Lewis would be your dump off. So I, I don't know. That's that's how I would attack them. But it's hard to attack a defense this good that, you know, they're more a better well-coached defense than they are a bunch of, you know, big name players like Seattle's had in the past. So, it's it's hard to kind of point to this is their superstar, this is their stud. It's more just a really solid scheme, really well coached and good execution.
0: The other guy, this isn't really a matchup, but more of just a player that I feel like needs to play well today, or today on Sunday, is Harold Landry. Um, because I feel like we made the the it's not really a comparison. We just kind of talked about some similarities between Joe Flacco and Blake Bortles and I feel like one of the reasons and and Dean Pease said this today one of the reasons Joe Flacco has been so successful is because the offensive line has been healthy and has given him ample time to step around make his throws go through his reads and so I think if you if you uh, are able to pressure him it's not gonna be like Blake Bortles where he turns into freakout mode and can't throw the ball anymore but you're gonna get some sacks you're gonna you got to do things to to keep them out of rhythm and not allow them to just kind of dink and dunk it their way down the field. And I think Harold Landry on third downs has the best chance to do that because you, on the left side of their offensive line they have Ronald Stanley who former first-round pick mm-hmm. out of Notre Dame, very good left tackle. So I think on the right side is where that needs to happen and it needs to happen from number 58.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't say he's been up and down, but I think in the Houston game in the he was really good. Um, and then, and then against Jacksonville and Buffalo, he 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 was just all right. Um, he did have two total pressures lo- last week. He had two hurries, so he didn't have a bad game by any means. Um, and he's easily been one of our best pass rush. And, and I agree that you really do need a pressure Flacco. You can't you can't allow him too much time back there because he's just smart enough uh, to find the open guys um, and get his and get his playmakers into position in, into positions to run after the catch. So I agree that is a matchup to watch. Uh, I, I I would be very interested to see him against Ronnie Stanley because Stanley's been very good this season. Um, I, I think he's really improved since his rookie season. Uh, but he's more of a power guy, a bigger guy. And I think a guy like Landry could actually give him a good bit of trouble just because he's so quick off the line uh, and he's got that bend that we talk about all the time. Um. So I, I I'm interested to see that matchup. But but if if you put Landry on Hurst on obvious James Hurst, I think is their their right tackle. If you put him in pass rushing situations, one on one against him, I think Landry's going to eat him alive, and he can absolutely cause havoc in this game.
2: Yeah, I was. I was a big Ronnie Stanley guy coming out. Like I thought he was really. Good. There was this weird uh, rumor going around about him. I don't know if y'all remember this that he didn't love football and that he wanted to play basketball, and that's why everybody was putting Tunsil over him at tackle, even though Ronnie Stanley had better tape. Even though nobody wanted to talk about it because Tunsil kind of had fast feet sometimes. Um, but Stanley's good. Like I mean, I think I don't think he's necessarily in the Lewan, Like you've got to pay this guy a ton of money, but like. He's, he's probably in that next tier down. I mean, I think he's better than Nate Solder. Nate Solder got a bunch of money, so I guess he is going to get paid. He's a really solid tackle. Um, yeah, so it, it, it'll be really interesting. I, Harold Landry has been good. The way they use him sometimes makes me crazy, and, and I've had uh, concerns about how defensive coordinators use edge players before uh, last year with Arakpo, but – what they do with Landry and what they did against Allen last week is they would rush him directly into the tackle and they would mush rush the pocket where they would try to take away any running lanes, which okay. Like if you're playing, you know, Deshaun Watson or even Blake Bortles, like I I get that. Like I get trying to keep that guy from escaping with his legs, but when they faced Allen, Josh Allen, he really struggles with pressure, and they really should have let Landry wide up, line up wide and rush hard from there and then run a blitz underneath him in the B-gap, and that's what they should have done all day. And I think they did it once, and they got a sack from it, and that's it. it. I don't know. If they use Harold Landry correctly, I think he can be great and be you know a game wrecker this week. So we'll, we'll see what they do, but... They've shown in the past that they kind of want him to do everything, even though he's only really good at one thing.
0: So as we kind of close out, um, really, I just want you to give one key for each side of the ball. Not not really a key, because usually when you talk about keys, it's like I don't know. How do you approach this game? I guess on both sides of the ball. And so I'll say I'll reiterate what I said earlier. You know, for the Titans' offense, you got to throw the ball and beat them with speed, with Deion Lewis, with, with your receivers, with Taewon Taylor. And on defense, I think you've got to pressure Joe Flacco because I think that you have strong enough cornerbacks that they're going to be able to handle these receivers. And you've got strong enough linebackers that are going to be able to handle these, these tight ends, and, and Kevin Byard will be a part of that as well. You've got to pressure Joe Flacco. You can't let him sit back there and you can't let things develop.
1: I'd agree with that. Um, I think uh, we should probably take uh, a page out of the Browns' book last week, and like I said, just force Joe Flacco uh, to throw the ball a lot. I think with our, our run defense has been kind of leaky, but but I think we can we can stop Collins and Allen on the ground for the most part, um, and keep keep them in check uh, and force Flacco to throw a lot, which I think would be beneficial to us, and hopefully sneak away with with a field goal victory. I, I think this is a game where suck up kicks like four field goals um and we come away with like a weird a weird score line victory um just fueled by our defense which, which has been really good um and which i think can win us the game
2: so defensively i think the mentality's been right the whole time like you have to get upfield and that's what they've been doing like they've been calling you know jerome casey cut a man in half and take this shoulder and get upfield and that's why he's having a career year like the scheme is built around being disruptive and not being afraid of the running game. And that's what they've got to do this week is there's been some bad press and there's been some issues, but I mean, when you have bad games and not even that bad games against JHA and LaShawn McCoy, like that happens to every team, like that's just going to happen. So the defense has to stay aggressive and focus more on disrupting the quarterback and making big splash plays than it does, you know, making sure that running backs only get two or three yards and then give up some big gash on the back end. So that's what you have to do defensively. Offensively I think you just have to be adaptable. Like you can't pick one thing that's there on the game plan and then when you're two quarters in, just nothing's happening. And that's what they did in Buffalo is I don't know what they saw, but they decided that they were going to go screen game, short game, and run heavy, and that just wasn't there. Like, you've got to give Corey Davis a chance to have another big game. And when they gave him a chance, he had a 23 yard catch. I mean, you've got to trust that Corey Davis can beat one on one coverage, and sometimes you've got to trust that he can beat double coverage because that's what he did on last Sunday. Like, Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor should be explosive I guess is the word I'm looking for they should be explosive enough to beat man-to-man coverage fairly consistently which means that maybe you have to go to Tajay Sharps, read as the third man 30% of the time, it, you really shouldn't have to go so deep to where you're throwing to Darius Jennings and Nick Williams even if they're out there, and I know Nick Williams is still on the team, but I mean you shouldn't really have to get that far down your order to make a play, so You've got to be adaptable. It's more about taking what the defense has given you, and LaFleur has done that in the past, but he's got to get back on track to really attack in what's there.
0: Yep. Um, good, good thoughts all around. Uh, you know, it's funny. Sometimes we treat these preview podcasts, at least I do, to uh, learn ourselves about the Ravens because, you know, I come into this not knowing certain things that you guys know, and I'm sure there are things that you guys don't know that I pick up on. So, this is why you listen to the Titan Size podcast, guys. This is uh, a. <laughs> it's funny. I was I was looking uh, at while you guys were, were talking. I was looking at on iTunes like who we who you can click on to get like us suggested. And one of them was was when you click on Paul Koharski's podcast. Uh, uh, one of the first mentions is our podcast. Like people who subscribe to oh. his podcast subscribe to ours too. So right right, at, right behind the midday one eighty two, and ahead of uh, RPO. So Woo. yeah. Uh, so, th- so oh baby yeah so so thank you to all of you who are listening. Uh, we, we appreciate you guys. We enjoy doing this. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode, though. Uh, I hope you are enlightened on the ways of the Baltimore Ravens. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll be back next week to recap it. And, uh, guys, next week starts London week.
1: I'm excited. I get to wake up at – well, you guys have to wake up even earlier than I do. But yeah, those I, games are always fun.
0: My alarm will be set for, like, 7 a.m. for that game. Hmm
1: not looking that forward hurts. to that that hurts the soul
2: those games are like <laughs> not always fun they're crazy yeah
1: i don't know what i meant i don't know what i yeah, said the weirdest
2: stuff that. happens in those games like <laughs> i have no idea if we're gonna win by 50 points if we're gonna get smoked if it's gonna be a tie like literally You're anything right.
1: can happen the Ravens like what 40 to 6 or something last year Yeah, it was Wasn't not even close like, and then uh, that I think Dolphin Saints also played. That was something
0: a- happened to the Chiefs several years ago.
2: Uh, they got cursed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, hold I don't hold on, you. hold on, hold on, hold on. In this Ravens Jaguars game, Flacco was eight of eighteen for twenty eight yards and two interceptions. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it my was a ballot through a touchdown.
0: It's like a historically bad quarterback performance. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Like, can
2: you imagine, like, Flacco versus uh, Blake Bortles as the quarterback matchup you're going to get in London? Mm-hmm. Like, that was unfortunate for them. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, we're going to go. We'll talk more about this, obviously, uh, next week. We'll get Matthias, our, our crack researcher, to bring us some more interesting stats from London games. And uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week. So, uh, for Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Thank you for listening to the Titan Size podcast. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to everyone next week.